I'm Grim. I'm Zolgar. That's Kaiju. And this is Two Idiots and a Dog, Idiots on Film. Where we explore movies that we love. Or think are important for pop culture. This week, we're talking about Renfield. Oh god, I am too sober for this. <sighs> Fortunately, I can, I can fix that. Anyways, we chose Renfield because, well... We're stupid. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, we decided to go out and see Renfield shortly after it released, and we both ended up loving it. This is an over-the-top, stupid, terrible movie that was a ton of fun. So we had to talk about it uh, just to be fair there are going to be spoilers in this episode so if you haven't seen it and care about spoilers um probably wait on this episode until after you've seen it yeah so uh, we're gonna need to start with something fairly important this movie is bloody as fuck this movie is bloody as fuck okay so this movie is an action horror rom-com and it is bloody, it is violent, and it is gory. It's it's comedic levels of gore. We're talking like blood fountains and stupid shit like that. But it's still it's still enough that some of the audience may be bothered by it. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, this, this, is, this is, okay, look, let me put it this way. This is the level of stupid that we are dealing with. There is, in fact, a scene where our protagonist, rips both of a guy's arms off, beats him to de- and a couple of other guys to death with the severed arms, and then uses them as javelins to pin two other dudes to a wall. If you're concerned that maybe it might be a little too bloody for you, what I recommend is finding the Red Band trailer. That gives you a good idea of the level of blood and gore in this film. If watching that bothers you, don't watch this movie or wait until it's streaming so you can just kind of walk out of the room when it gets really gross. One other thing to know is that as a work based on Dracula, uh, there are a fair number of references and stuff scattered throughout. And especially some of the flashback sequences are... It's a striking juxtaposition between the uh, uh, old flashbacks and the modern setting. And that might be jarring for some people. It wasn't for me. It flowed fine for me. But I know some people that are just going to be like, wait, what? Oh, and, and here's a great thing. Do you know how they did those old flashba- those flashbacks? I would assume they filmed them. No, here's the thing. They didn't actually refilm those scenes from the old movies with the modern cast, they took the scenes from those old movies and superimposed the actors' faces on them. Mm. <laughs> Which is just fucking asinine, and I loved it. Yeah, so the first thing we're going to need to talk about, seriously, I guess, is the cast, because I'm going to be blunt. This movie straight up could not have worked without Holt and Cage. I am not sure there is much of anyone else in Hollywood who could have pulled this off the way they did. Like, no, not even like Wazamo. 
he couldn't have matched that cage energy. Like, they didn't quite let him go full cage, but it was pretty close. Like, 90% cage. Yeah. They kept back, they managed to rein him in enough to keep him from that final 10%, but it was it was pretty much 90% cage. Yeah, there, and there are some actors that could have done this movie well, that could have pulled that same kind of over-the-top Dracula, but it just wouldn't have quite matched the way Cage does. Because Cage... Okay, everybody in this movie knows that it is a ridiculous over-the-top film, and they they know that it knows it's that. But Cage still manages to play it straight. Also, genre-savvy. Yeah. Oh, this movie is genre-savvy as hell. Because... They exist in a world where the book Dracula exists. Yeah. When, when he when Renfield tells Rebecca that he works for Dracula, she's like, Count Dracula? No, President Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but important to note is it is a world that believes vampires don't exist. Yeah. It believes that they are a work of fiction, and that's what makes everything kind of work. So Nicholas Holt is our is Renfield. And he's equal parts awkward and, and kind of reserved and a little milk toast at times, but like he's supposed to be. Yeah. He is very plain. He's very straightforward. He is a fucking doormat and overly polite, soft spoken. That's what he's supposed to be. That's what he's there for. And then somebody tries to kill him and he eats a bug and it turns into. John Wick as directed by Quentin Tarantino. Pretty much. So Aquafina plays Rebecca Morris, which is our first Easter egg, because at one point they reveal that her father was Quincy Morris. And fans of the books will recognize that as the American cowboy who was trying to court Lucy. And of course, Aquafina plays Rebecca, a cop basically a traffic cop, as this immature, very overeager, like the only non-corrupt cop on the force. And somehow she makes it work. I mean, at one point she's running down one of our antagonists, Tedward, Teddy Lobo, as played by Ben Schwartz. And and she could sh- easily have just shot him in the back because and, and made it work because she has a personal vendetta on this guy. No, she doesn't do that. Instead, what she does is she whips out her baton, her collapsing baton, and beans him in the back of the head by chucking it at him as he's trying to run away. That's the kind of stupid we're talking about here. Yep. And so then we, we got to talk about Ben Schwartz here for a moment. If you don't know the name... He's the guy that voiced Sonic the Hedgehog in the two new movies. Yep. And he was also Dewey Duck in the DuckTales reboot. I do not know how this worked, but it fucking worked. Because it's Ben Schwartz. So Ben Schwartz is primarily a comedic actor, and you needed a comedic actor to be Teddy. Needed. Because Teddy is this sniveling, pathetic, pampered mama's boy mafioso wannabe who wants to be seen as this tough edgy 
mean killer and he's really not he's just sad you know in most action movies there's that one thug on the enemy team who's just kind of like the comic relief that's him meet teddy yeah except he's trying to be in charge because he's you know heir to the empire and it does not work which means of course it does work for this movie yeah he he is great in the role and okay, we got to talk about his mom. Oh, his mom is played by, and if I am, I am absolutely probably butchering this, but I'm d- trying my best here because I really love her. Uh, Shore Agdashlu, who is an amazing actress with a very iconic smoky voice. Yeah, she is. She's another one who actually does a lot of voice work. She does. She was in Mass Effect as Admiral Shalaran. Uh, she was, she did a couple of voices in the Kung Fu Panda series. Uh, one of the more, one of the things that people might be more likely to recognize her for as not voice work is she was in the series, The Expanse. She was, uh, Mm -hmm. Christian Avasalara. I probably butchered the pronunciation of that, but I've seen, I, I've, I've never watched it, but I've seen some clips. Um, others might recognize her from Netflix's the Punisher as Madani's mother. And she did, uh, she's been in destiny Two as Lakshmi Two. uh, did the voice of Gozer and ghostbusters afterlife and was also the original sheriff in arcane. So again, she's got that iconic smoky voice and is also my personal headcanon, uh, has voiced multiple characters of mine on various tabletop games in my head. Really, she's great. I love her. And she was amazing in this. Oh, okay. I need, I need to ask you a question. Yep. Is there anybody in this that wasn't amazing? Nobody who matters. Yeah, because Kyle sucked. Fuck you, Kyle. Fuck you, Kyle. You know what? You can have his parking space. But fuck you, Kyle. <laughs> uh, as you might have guessed, this is a recurring line throughout the movie whenever Kyle shows up. And I, I so since since we're since we're poking at it, we got to say that yes, uh, TC Mathern played that just plain as shit absolutely generic ass cop perfectly i want you for just a moment to close your eyes and imagine a mid-20s early 30s white male youtuber playing a cop you have kyle that is the energy tc brought to it and that is the energy he should have it was perfect yeah the most bland generic facts copied off the internet white boy it was perfect and those of course are our main players uh not kyle kyle sucks fuck kyle (laughs) um but we also need to as a collective mention uh renfield's support group for abusive relationships uh everybody in there was great particularly want to just do uh, three quick shout outs to Brandon Scott Jones for playing Mark perfectly. He's the group leader. Yeah, he was the group leader and he was he was very much that 
friendly, welcoming, encouraging, you know, helping everybody get through it. And, you know, we've backfires horrifically halfway through. We, we've all dealt with a narcissist before. Okay, we might be dealing with a little more than narcissism here. <laughs> you think? <laughs> then we got Christopher Matthew Cook, who was Bob, was this big, scary, terrifying looking dude. With a big, thick beard. Yeah, big, thick beard. And I mean, he he looks like he should be sitting there on a Harley beating somebody to death with a baseball bat. And he's a little gruff, but he's also one of the more supportive guys in the support group. He's friendly. He is. Um, didn't he talk about like realigning chakras or some shit like that? Somebody did. And I think it was him. It might have been Bob, but I don't remember. And then, of course, I want to shout out to Jenna Cannell for Carol. Ah, <sighs> fuck Carol, I guess. Someday Carol will get through that chair. No. But today is not that day. <laughs> All right. So we've got the, the, the backstory of Renfield being, you know, bound to Dracula, relocates to, uh, I think it was New Orleans. Yeah, New Orleans this time around. And... Through sheer dumb happenstance, while trying to strike a balance between his master's demands and his own withering morality, Renfield inadvertently winds up target numero uno for a fucking drug mafia. <laughs> and so we, we should express that the reason that they are in New Orleans is because the church caught up to Dracula and they almost succeeded on taking him out. Almost. So he was in horrible shape. He was much, he was seriously weakened. So, you know, they had to leave their last place before the church sent somebody else and finished the job. Master, are you all right? And a charcoal briquette says, no. (laughs) And and so because he gets involved with this the the this drug crew, like the, the let me put it this way: the layer of events it takes to get poor Renfield involved in this is first he goes to the support group, and what he's been doing is he's been taking the abusive partners and feeding them to Dracula, which pisses Dracula off because he wants innocence. Yeah. Well, it turns out that the abusive guys he goes to bring to Dracula just so happen to have stolen a whole lot of cocaine from the Lobo crime family. So Redfield shows up to deal with them. And while he's dealing with them, the hitman for the Lobos shows up. And so Redfield ends up killing him in spectacularly stupid fashion, which in turn sets off Teddy, who plows straight into a checkpoint being manned by Rebecca, who has history with the Lobos and blah, blah, blah. This is the dominoes that had to fall to make all of this work. That's how dumb this is. But because that's the kind of movie it is, it works. Well, it, but it, 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 it goes further than this. They're still not quite connected yet. Then when Rebecca figures out where Teddy came from, she finds a pen for the club that Renfield frequents and goes in there looking for clues while Renfield is in there. And then Teddy and crew show up to shoot up the place. 
because they want to kill her. Yep. So it's just this full, ridiculous, over-the-top, like, if you put more than two seconds of thought into it, you realize how impossible and stupid it is. But this is an impossible, stupid movie, so it works. Exactly. It, like, if this was a, if the movie was trying to take itself seriously, none of this would have worked. Like, if they were trying to play this completely straight, none of this would have worked. Yeah. Instead, it was played off for comedic kicks, and both of us were dying laughing in the theater. Yeah. we So we ended up having a private showing. Not on purpose, but I wasn't complaining. No, no. We, we totally booked out the entire theater to see this because we have the money to do that. Yeah, yeah. We're a big-time media podcast. No. No, just nobody else showed up because we went Thursday, like, early evening. And I was okay with that. And so as a result, we also didn't have to keep ourselves in reserve at all. So we were literally just practically guffawing half the movie. It is so over the top. It's, It's great. It's great. The soundtrack was really good. I will admit, I was kind of holding out for a sympathy for the devil. But that's okay. What they picked worked great. Yeah, I I didn't really notice the soundtrack much myself. I I tend to not notice soundtracks as much as you do. Well, that's because to me, all the world is a movie, and I am constantly putting it to music in my head. Yeah, well, your face. Yeah, well, your face. I want to take his face off. Wrong Nicolas Cage movie. Although somebody did get their face taken off, but it wasn't by Dracula. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, so the way it's explained is whenever Renfield eats a bug, the life force of the bug energizes him and activates the familiar powers Dracula has bestowed upon him. Interestingly, it seems like Dracula can't recall those powers, uh, which is an interesting bent, I gotta say, because the climactic fight, he he doesn't take Renfield's powers away or anything like that. Like, there would have been so many other movies that would have had, you know, dramatic showdown and you must face me without the gifts I have given you. Nah. Renfield goes full, well, Renfield on him. Um, I won't spoil the outcome of that fight, but it was quite entertaining to watch. Now, And from what I understand, while it doesn't come up in very many of the uh, Dracula movies, in the book, Renfield actually did eat bugs, correct? Yes, um, spiders and, and, and bugs and other other things. Um, like one of the reasons that this finger quotes modern retelling of Dracula works is it's a continuation of the pre-existing stories. It's Dracula and Renfield moving, re- basically relocating because, you know, their story has continued. So this is like an alternate timeline where Von Helsing and the rest of the crew did not manage to corner Dracula and deal with him. And it's, Oh, it's so stupid, but I loved it. Yeah. So if, if you are looking for a dark, serious Dracula movie, wait until last voyage of the Demeter comes out. If you're looking for something that's just stupid and, and dumb and fucking ridiculous. Yeah, if, you, if you're the sort of person that really enjoys movies like Tremors or Army of Darkness, this is a movie for you. 
if you enjoy Deadpool, you'll probably enjoy this. Yeah. Like it's, it's, this one's gorier, but it's got that same tone to it. And while he doesn't quite look at the camera in fourth wall break, he is narrating the story the whole time. Like traditionally narrating, not in character as we're watching him narrating. So like there, there were, I, I got a lot of Deadpool vibes off of this film and I'm not complaining about it. And it leans into the cliches and the, the, the predictability of how things are going to play out in places. Like, I don't want to say for sure exactly what happens, although I'm pretty sure most people will figure it out ahead of time, just like I did. But when they went in for the final showdown and ran into the goon squad, I knew that that's exactly what that what, the, what was going to go down with the goon squad. Yeah. And uh, there, there is really nothing in this movie that keeps you guessing. And that's okay. Because contrary to popular belief, movies do not need to movies do not need to surprise you, especially not a stupid movie like this one. You know, yeah, if you're talking a you know, really serious film that's like got you know, like a deep drama or something, being able to predict exactly what's happening, eh, that that might be a problem. But a stupid action horror comedy. No, you, you don't care if you know what's coming. At least you shouldn't. No, and, and, and you shouldn't care with this movie either. Because honestly, there are points where the predictable nature of it is them taking the piss out of it, out of the genre anyway. Yeah. Like some of the way some of the things played out are very clearly... Not quite parody or satire, but you can see parody and satire from here type of thing. Like, that's the joke, is that this always happens. And and, and it's not just one genre either. Because, like I say, you, you have a cop movie in here. You have a the the one good cop in a city of corrupt cops who are controlled by a powerful uh, crime syndicate. That, I mean, that is straight up a an absolute joke. The only, the only thing that didn't happen is they never demanded her gun and badge. They actually decided to go the opposite route when that happened. Yeah. They tried to promote her. And she was having none of it. Yeah, so it's, all told, it's a really fun romp. It's It's exactly what it should have been. It knew what it wanted to be, and it understood its own assignment. Yeah. And... So it's also worth noting, and uh, I'm I'm going to kind of mention this because I so I also listen to other podcasts, of course, and uh, traitor. Um, Film Rage mentioned this. A couple of the guys from that had a problem with this. Uh, Jim didn't, but that's because Jim has good taste in movies. <laughs> but I don't think in one sentence you could have ever possibly made me question someone's taste in movies more. <laughs> Uh, oh, you wouldn't like any of Film Rage's taste in movies. Yeah, from what I understand, they're allergic to fun. No, they're not. They're just, they they are cinema fans. So sometimes when something gets stupid, they're like a little bit like, eh, why? But. So they're allergic to fun. But uh, both Bryce and Murray had a bit of a problem with the fact that this isn't just a a Dracula horror comedy. It's also a 
cop movie and a rom-com. And personally, I think it works. But I can see that kind of I can see feeling a little bit disjointed over it. Yeah. Especially if you go in thinking this is going to be a Dracula horror comedy, not a Dracula horror comedy cop movie rom-com. I mean, it's worth noting they poke fun at rom-com tropes a lot, but it never actually goes full romantic. Yeah. Um, They admit that they care about each other, but there's no like big smoochy scene or, hey, we're a couple now. It very easily ends on could just be platonic. But like he shows up with a with a bouquet of flowers at one point for like no reason. It's it so they're definitely poking fun at the rom com shit. And, and the, one of the reasons that I, I specifically have been calling it an action horror rom com is because that's also what the creators of Tremors call that movie. Yeah, but the creators of Tremors are weird. They are. All right, so they're allergic to fun, and I had no problems with this. Uh, part of the way, way it works, and I brought this up in the note session, is it is the collision of two worlds. It's the collision of that modern, corrupt, you know, cops and robbers world and Dracula's world. And they actually kind of all but hang a lantern on it a few times when they talk about, you know, how, why should we adapt to their world? Their world should be made to service me, a god. And, you know... Renfield is just going, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, and Dracula decides he's going to take over the world, by the way. that That's when this happens. That, yeah. Dracula decides he's going to take over the world. World domination. Literally, that is what he writes on the board. <laughs> that is the level of movie we are dealing with here. Like I say, Cage plays it straight. He plays it, you know cage version of straight but he plays it straight and that's what makes it work he is the only one taking this even remotely seriously and that is what makes it work now, and actually it does remind me there is one other thing we do need to talk about for this movie was that the special effects they were really good yeah Especially the makeup for him. Yeah, I mean, so some of the CG was, well, it was obviously CG, so it wasn't that great. You could tell the bugs that Renfield was eating were CG bugs. And, you know, the blood fountains were CG and things like that. But I am pretty sure they went full on prosthetics for, like, all of the various stages of regeneration of Dracula. Well, except for when he was a charcoal briquette. I don't think that was practical. And, you know, so there's this one, there's a scene where he is like, what, about half regenerated. So he's like still got skin flaps and you can see muscle and it's just, it's gross. But incredibly well done makeup wise. And props to the makeup department. Okay. This movie will never win an Oscar, but. If it got nominated for best makeup, I would not be surprised much. Yeah, I don't think it. Oh, will. it won't. But but it should. But it won't. But it should. But it won't. Because, you know, the Academy is too busy shoving their head up their own ass and pre- trying to be pretentious and, and, you know, promoting real cinema these days. And yet somehow everything everywhere all at once swept the Oscars this last year. I'm still maintaining somebody somewhere paid somebody off and I'm OK with that because while we ha- we are going to be doing it spoilers um 
haven't done it yet, so I haven't watched it yet. But everything I've seen shows that it was good and deserved recognition. Anyway, but that's kind of a digression here. Um, I had something I was going to do, and then you went off on the FX and the stuff, and I lost it. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to say one more thing, and maybe you'll remember it. When we were talking about the cast, there is actually one other person we should have mentioned. James Moses Black, who played the no-nonsense, corrupt-as-fuck police captain. So very, very correct. And played it brilliantly. He was the absolute stereotype cliche of a no-nonsense police captain. And again, that's what made it work. So what were you going to talk about? Uh, Were you going to talk about some of the Easter eggs? Were you going to talk about how it was kind of more true to the book than a lot of Dracula adaptations? Nah, it's gone now. Gone forever, apparently. Meh, whatever. Well, it must not have been that important then. Yeah, well, neither is your face. No, it's not. That's why we do a podcast, because then nobody can see our faces. Face for radio and a voice for silent movies. That's my line. And I stole it fair and square. What you going to do about it? I am going to end this podcast episode. So unless there's anything else that, that you have to say, I think that's it for this week. And please consider rating, reviewing, following, and all that other nonsense on your favorite podcast platforms. If you'd like to tell us how much of idiots we are or send kaiju fan mail, you can email us at tiaadmedia at gmail.com, or you can join us on Discord and the various social media platforms all linked in the show notes. You should also check out this great podcast, whoever the fuck it ends up being, I don't know. You know, I'm probably gonna promo film rage just because you know i have already talked about them this episode yeah but they're allergic to fun true it's time to feel the rage join us on film rage where we talk movies current releases coming attractions streaming and classic films as well directors and actors beware as you cannot hide from the rage my name is bryce and i'm part of the film rage crew which also includes jim hey hey and murray yo why is it you always talk all the time? I can't understand I why the, the voice is This is the merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are mondo, some are just suck. Every week something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. That was not the greatest promo I've ever heard. I, I, I was not moved to tears. They're allergic to fun. You know... I, I, I lost interest halfway through. I don't remember who it was. So I guess I need to go check the show notes now. We'd also like to give a quick thank you to our supporters on Patreon and Kofi. Especially these idiots. Random Warrior, Rain, and the perpetually banned Athen Mortis. Thank you. We probably could do this without you, but it wouldn't be nearly as much fun. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us on Patreon or Kofi. You can get access to episodes a week early, shoutouts in our episodes, and special behind-the-scenes bonus content. Also, we won't put commercials in our Patreon episodes. You can find us at patreon.com slash tiaadmedia and kofi.com slash tiaadmedia. Those links are in our show notes as well. And of course, thank you for listening to Two Idiots and a Dog.